0: and in color from the NBC News Radio Broadcasting Studios of KCAA, 1050 AM, 102.3 FM, and 106.5 FM, located in beautiful Southern California, and in parallel from the Turfs Up Radio Studio in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Thanks for tuning in to The Water Zone Show this evening. Hey,
1: good afternoon and good
0: evening to wherever you are in the United States and around the world. Welcome to The Water Zone. I'm Rob Starr, along with the famous infamous, great guy I know, Mr. Chris Davey. How are you, Chris?
2: Splendid today. Thank you, Rob. I appreciate you uh, asking as well. Just a quick note on the, wind, the windstorm we had here last Friday. For many of uh, oh, yeah. our listeners who may not be aware, just an unprecedented windstorm in Southern California, especially up by the uh, foothills of the uh, mountains here in Southern California. 80 mile an hour winds, and I am paying the price with downed limbs and uh, trees and fence and a storage shed
0: that
1: ended up
0: in, uh, you know, the next city over. I see, I see your limbs. They look pretty good to me, but uh, that, that must have been a holly experience. <laughs> I'm here till Thursday. Yeah. Good <laughs> for you, buddy. Uh, so uh want to welcome uh, this. <laughs> it's funny. I'm sorry. I can't stop laughing. This is Chris Austin, <laughs> the purveyor of Maven's Notebook, who comes in and does our California Water
1: News. Hi, Chris. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing okay. And boy, I'm glad I missed that 80 mile an hour wind, boy. We used to get it out there in Santa Clarita. It was so, yeah. don't mind well,
0: that. The, the, the biggest thing that happened, well, a lot of Christmas things happened at Chris's house, but, but he sent me a picture of his shed that he had. <laughs> that thing was like sticking up
1: 90 degrees. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, man, no fun. Of course, you no. know, what What I will miss is that we lived on a hill in Santa Clarita, and when it rained on garbage day, all the garbage cans would flow, start flowing downhill down in the gutter, and they just all sort of, like, match up and keep on going down to the <laughs> bottom of the hill. Wow. So, <laughs> you just look out, and all of a sudden, you see, like, Row of three garbage cans. Woo! <laughs> yeah.
2: Hey Chris, I knew a girl will lived on a hill, one leg longer than the other one. Still.
0: Oh uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Ba-da-ba-ba-ba-ba>. <laughs> I think I think Chris and I should keep our, our day jobs. <laughs> it might be easier. So tell us what's going on in the world of water. I I, I had read an interesting article about uh, we're going to see fewer California vineyards coming up.
1: Yeah, you know, or that's what they're predicting or suggesting, because, you know, there is a lot of uh, grapevines all over the state. And uh, I mean, I, I actually I, I haven't looked at the statistics, but grapevines have got to be up there in terms of acreage. um Probably there are probably more almonds, but I'm sure grapevines are a, a you know strong second there. Um, I haven't seen the statistics, but you know there are a lot of grapevines growing around. And you remember a while back, California wine was actually you know really sought after, but um, you know markets are changing, and uh, and also you know we have these issues here. Like in Napa, with not only water issues but wildfire um, and and other things you know climate change impacting these grape these vineyards, so you know the general thought is that we're going to have to reduce you know the acreage of grapevines what's interesting too is at the very end it points out now that the average uh age of uh the median age of wine drinkers is 65 so they also yeah you know <laughs> surprised <laughs> but they're saying you know young people aren't uh necessarily picking up wine like you know the older people do so you know well,
0: they're it, going they're going back to bourbon and scotch and gin <laughs> and all
1: that hey Are pandemic man vodka <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? yeah so you know it's an interesting article I think, you know, the general thing is going to be that uh, I think overall in California, in some areas, uh, there's going to have to be less agriculture um, just because there isn't enough water. I mean, the San Joaquin Valley, very rich and productive farmland, but not all of it's going to be able to make it through groundwater management. So... You know, it's um the the story of of what's to come is you know some some land being taken out of production. We we uh, argue about or or a lot of people try to figure out how much that's going to be for when it comes to groundwater management and implementing these plans. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah,
0: because I know the industry is talking about that they want to grow up to four billion by twenty twenty seven, and if they start stopping the wine business, that's gonna that's gonna hurt dramatically.
1: You know, it, it's water is kind of like money in a bank account. You know, you can you can only go to deficit funding, you know, or deficit water for so long. It, you know, water is not an infinite resource. No, so, that's, that's very true. So, but on the other, you know, on the other hand, uh, our weather here has been quite beautiful up here in Chico, between the state's two largest reservoirs. We've had wonderful balmy days at 75 degrees, really lovely, um, and no rain. <laughs> well. And this is, you know, this is the thing. It's happened before. And I said it, you know, weeks ago, it, you know, it's, all that precipitation in December was great. Uh, but if it stays dry from January on out, you know, it's going to be, uh, you know, hard-gumming in the summer. But, but, you know, it only takes a few big atmospheric rivers to, to make it up. So, it you know, we shouldn't give up all hope, but, you know, there we could still get a, another atmospheric river or two, and that could really help out. But we need to start getting some more precipitation. And there was great hope that next week we were going to get some, but now that forecast has changed.
0: I think if we get all the radio stations in the country to play the song Crimea River, maybe that would help. Uh, yeah, I don't no. know. <laughs> I don't think that would work either. But I, I've got, uh, all, all kidding aside, I know uh, California's got, got some new regulations that came in place for the uh, drought restrictions and uh, on the 18th of this month they kicked in. And uh, how do yeah. you think that's going
1: to You know, I, I don't think it's going to change a whole lot because basically they're just putting into regulation, you know, don't be a bonehead with your water use. You know, like, and it it always surprises me. One of them is don't you can't wash your car without having a stopper on your hose. Like, who goes out and washes their car with just a hose unless that hose runs for all that just run out? Yeah, I mean, who does that? But now yeah, you can't a
0: lot do of, that. The people that do that.
1: Okay, I'm sorry. Hope I don't offend any of our listeners, but to me, you know, that's just you know common sense. And yeah, uh, you know, they don't want you to water your lawn on the day that it rains or two days after. And for a lot of people, they who now have these weather-controlled irrigation systems, you know, they th- that's that's done. But yep. it does give local authorities the ability to issue fines if they feel they need to for someone who's being you know excessively wasteful with water I think that's, you- yeah I think that's a great idea
2: they should they should keep that keep their thumb down on that I mean you know even though you know December was predicted to be a dry month right if you remember and we got all that rain January predicted to be another wet month and look it hasn't rained Hardly at all in, in January whatsoever. But still, if you read the blogs, uh, uh, listen to the news, we still haven't met Governor Newsom's voluntary 15 percent um, water reduction either. So, you know, we're off the mark.
0: Still. Yeah. Yeah. Well, even with, I was going to say, even with the smart controllers that California supposedly says we need, everybody needs, do you think we need to put in place the, um, the rain sensors as well? Because some control, there's some controllers that when it rains, you have to really just go out and turn it on for how many days you want it off. I mean, uh, I, I, you know, we're not like New Jersey where it's where in there and there's other states that regulate. You have to have rain sensors. Do you think we need to do that since we have smart controllers?
1: Yeah, I think I think we we do, or we need to have people who are aware and understand their irrigation systems, And, you know, a lot of people move into the house and they have this mysterious box over there, but hey, you know, the lawn sprinklers turn on, okay, so I, you know, out out of all the things you need to do when you move into a new house, probably digging into your irrigation controller isn't one of them. And, you know, things like, uh, sprinkler heads getting broken off, you know, actually down in Southern California where most people have gardeners, you know, if the sprinkler heads broken off and it's gushing, you just tell them and they replace it. They probably did it when they ran the lawnmower over the, the grass. So it's not a problem, but up, you know, like I've seen up here, the sprinklers gushing and, and I don't think the homeowner has a clue what to do. You know,
0: well, I know Mr D I know Mr. Davy has a product that would take care of that. Yeah, yeah, we
1: do. But Chris,
2: I think you're absolutely right. A lot of homeowners think it's it's like you know, it's not like a second nature thing for them to think about their irrigation system. It's pretty much leave it alone because they're not familiar with it, they 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 don't bother to check it and keep track of it and all that kind of stuff. And I think that's probably one of the things that's gonna change over the next few years or, or during a time where water restrictions become more prevalent in our daily lives, people will be forced to pay more attention to it and learn more.
0: You agree, Rob? Yeah, and especially you know people that have gardeners. How many times do you see? And Chris, you've been in the business a long time, long, way longer than me. But but I see I see lawn maintenance people come. They never check the irrigation system. They never turn it on and see if there's anything yeah. wrong. They just. Clean up the place. That's that's another issue.
1: Yeah, you're right. Although you can you can say, hey, that sprinkler head's broken, and they'll fix that. But uh, yeah. but no, they don't. They're not checking the patterns. You're right. You know. So. Well.
0: So the I, I saw I saw one of your articles that was interesting. I thought uh, Mr. David would like this about the uh, California representative Jared introducing the bill uh, about restoration for the salmon and habitats. I did see but, that. Um, yeah, I think yeah. you'd be since you're
1: a good angler. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, uh, we'll we'll see how it goes. But you know, there there's a lot of good things, and there are a lot of you know. We we really do need to take care of our salmon and take care of our habitat. So, you know, he's got some things in there. I don't remember exactly what it is. See if I can look look at it, but. um <clears throat> Well, I know yeah, you're talking
0: great. about some of the salmon swimming up the uh, rice fields. <laughs> yeah, so
2: it was. I didn't say anything too contentious uh, in there, but and Rob, I appreciate the vote of confidence. However, the sport is still called fishing and not catching. <laughs> oh. Oh. And
1: and also, you know, we we that's should we should dispel the myth here. I know that that headline about salmon swimming in the fields, uh, uh, you know, makes it. It's a provocative headline, but um, we need to actually say no. They're not swimming in the fields like of rice when there's no water there. <laughs> they're, they're they're using the the rice fields after the rice is harvested. The, the farmers put water on the on the ground to uh, deteriorate the root of the Last year's crop, and they found that putting salmon on those fields is really beneficial for the salmon. Uh, but yeah, some people actually kind of picture salmon, you know, in a field of like green plants, and no, it's not like that. <laughs> well, that begs
2: the question: do you do you like rice with salmon or salmon with rice? So you got to think of it that way.
1: Well, you know, they have the one of the uh, names for the one of the early projects uh, looking into this they called it the nigiri project uh-huh.
3: <laughs>
1: yeah get it salmon is the salmon is rice yeah and and actually the rice that they grow up here in northern california is sushi rice um it's the leading producer of rice and all those roles. so it was actually quite an appropriate name so sticky rice mm. So this proposed ballot measure that some people have uh, been trying to circulate, it looks like it's not going to make it. Uh, it, w- the ballot measure would have set aside like 4% of the general fund, uh, to fund water projects of all sorts, new dams, desalination, recycled water, conveyance, all sorts of things, uh, kind of written very broadly. And they've been really the, Proponents of this legislation have been really working hard, but they are falling far, far short of uh, getting enough signatures or collecting money to, you know, push for these things. And the, most of the money they've collected has been from Central Valley farmers and, and not a whole lot. So, um, you know, I'm not sure that's the way to go about uh, funding water projects, to be honest. So you know not not that I'm having an opinion or anything, but you know um taking four percent of the general fund to do something is you know i I don't think that's the best way to spend the public's money i think so uh and it doesn't look like it's going to pass anyway, so we'll we'll see what happens but um.
0: I don't know. Everybody's looking at money from the government now that, uh, you know, they passed the first bill and they want to spend it. Or, mm-hmm. or, or have there been any announcements of the plans that California is moving ahead with any of those funding that they received?
1: Oh, there's all sorts. Of, oh, I mean, yeah, we're gearing up here for, you know, spending money, money on climate resilience, money on infrastructure. They're having workshops because, you know, they passed the the infrastructure bill in Washington, D.C. And some of that money is coming out here to California, and believe me, we're we're really looking at how we can use that money you know in the water industry for you know to fund needed projects. So
0: does anybody know when that money is going to be turned loose or have they started receiving some already? Um,
1: I don't think they've been able to I don't think people have received it yet, but there are some programs that are geared up and already taken, you know, RFPs for, you know, for the program. So they have some early implementation stuff. You you kind of, if you're going to take a big bunch of money, you really don't want to just dump it all out there at once. And, you know, you all, all these projects have to, you know, have to be kind of, you have to submit reports they have to prove that you have a viable project. I mean, we just can't move really super fast on that because then there's just a, a lot of opportunity for fraud. So, you know, we have to be careful with how we spend that money and it takes time for one thing.
0: Well, do, do you think that California wasn't geared up for this beforehand? They didn't know it. They sat around waiting for somebody to say, hey, we're going to get money. So let's think of what we can do with it. It was a did you see that they had any plans?
1: You know they've been kicking
0: up for the last three years or five years.
1: Believe me, believe me. People in the water and water projects they got plans. Oh, they have all kinds of plans. And yeah, they're the gearing up. Uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, and in some ways, they' we're very uh, prepared. There are some funding programs that are already in place. There are some federal ones, like through the Bureau of Reclamation they have a you know they know how to issue grants they have a whole process you know, because you pass a piece of legislation and you say here's the money that we're going to put on the table right but it's not like then the next day that money starts going out the door that someone has to get down and say well here's how we're going to spend this money and they got to look right. at what they wrote who's a, you know who who's going to get it and how they're going to apply and it takes time to get that in place. Um, although some agencies are better at it than others, uh, but and they it,
0: definitely need the and they definitely need the oversight to that. As you yeah. said, they got to reports to make sure that the money is being spent on what they said it was going to be spent.
1: Exactly. Um, but yes, when uh, as soon as this passed, the state water board had uh, a workshop to change their regulations because one of the things that's getting funding are these. Uh, state revolving funds. So they, the federal government puts money in there. And then there's like, they take low interest loans that they can give out low interest loans and the money comes back to the fund and they can kind of keep turning it around and, and, uh, you know, to keep, you know, to keep money for funding for projects going out the door. So they were right on it. And they, they you know, are modifying their programs so that they, you know, they, their, the regulations are all ready for the federal money. You know, it's all little legislative tweaks or you know, regulatory tweaks to make sure that it all lines up. But yeah, so yeah, we're ready. Believe me, <laughs> there's there's a lot of people out there that have plans that would you know, and money for water projects is important. Because it really speaks to keeping water rates affordable for people, and you know whether you know you're in a if you're in a disadvantaged community in the Central Valley or if you're in San Bernardino, you know keeping rates reasonable is a um, and affordable is a statewide thing. You know not everybody can afford to to spend a lot of money, so having the Funding these funding sources is important for affordability.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So, Chris, anything that uh, interested you?
2: Yeah. So, I want to do is to ask about the uh, you know the snowpack levels, right? Usually, once a month we talk about this. Chris, like the you know last show of the month kind of thing. So, I mean, what's the news on that? And by the way, let's put a plug in here again for Rob, myself, and you, Chris. If you have any connections to that annual. Conference they do de- they do when they go and do the uh, snowpack measurement right stick that pole in the snow
1: yeah. oh. Man,
2: let me and Rob know we'd love to go up there and do a water zone uh, feature on that
1: actually yeah. you know it's open to the media and uh, there's a place you can go I mean this they, they uh, you know they they send out a notice they're going to be doing that snow survey uh, next uh, next Thursday I believe February second that Thursday. Oh Wednesday, um, so they're doing it next week yeah and and yeah i can I can hook you up with that. you can go up there. What's interesting is that you know this is where they kind of you know the guys go out to the field and stick the pole in and determine how much water's in the snow because it's it's not only how many feet of snow there, it's how much water is in that snow and <laughs>
2: Well, snow. it's the moisture content of the snow, right? So how heavy yeah. it
1: is per yeah. per
2: cubic foot, um, and and then they can do an estimate of how much snow is in the Sierras and what the value, what the uh, potential value is to uh, reservoirs over the over the winter. Over
1: yeah, the but, but you know the 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 hard part is that you know they're standing out in the middle of the field measuring the snow at this one particular point. Yeah, and it's only one point, and the Sierras is a very huge, huge place. And you know they take point measurements in different places, um, but it's you know it's it's not really very telling. And really, this whole big media that show that they do to take this measurement at this one place, it's really just for the media. I mean, oh. the 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 real the real work is you know. They have they actually have people at DWR that go out on a snow course on skis. Like and, and go to these remote places and take these same measurements. So yeah, if you're a skier, you have a really cool job with DWR if you can imagine that. Um, and, and, and then they have automated sensors all over the place. They have what snow pillows and uh, and other things and they kinda of, all this feeds into a network. Um, and they try to determine really how much water is up there. And it, it's very difficult to be accurate. Uh, yeah. Now we have the um, airborne snow observatories, these NASA flights now right. that are going over the Sierras, and they can take a better accurate picture. So, you know, we may see uh, the, our snow forecasting uh you know, grow by leaps and bounds, and that's actually important. Knowing how much water is up above the reservoirs, so you can manage your reservoir, you know, and be be ready if there's, you know, the combination of knowing how much snowpack's up there and better forecasting of weather, in particular these atmospheric river storms. It's going to allow us to be able to safely tweak the management of reservoirs so that we can store more water when we know there's not going to be a big storm coming in, um, or we can likewise, you know, know when we need to get water out of the reservoir because there is a big storm coming in. So Yeah, keeping in mind also the transition between
2: between uh, the, the uh, evidence that we've seen of a transition between a snowpack and actual precipitation coming in over the winter time with with warming, right, and warmer warmer winters, um, more precipitation, yeah. less snowpack. So those are management tools that that these guys are looking at also.
1: Yeah, well, and really working to be able to determine this so we can do a better job. You know, most of these reservoirs have this dual purpose. They they provide water supply, collect water for water supply, but they also provide flood control. So you usually have to, what we would say, dig a big hole in in you know in the fall to make sure they're ready for what comes in in the spring. But you know, all these things that they're working towards, they're working on trying to to. Uh, be able to forecast season to season be able to say we know what it's going to be like in 6 months or you know or or beyond but we haven't gotten there yet but we're working there working on
0: it yeah. And we've had in the past some people from NOAA, some scientists, two scientists who were telling us about the, the algorithms and all the things that they do. So that's pretty interesting. Well, Chris, we're going to take our, our break, and then we're going to bring a friend of yours on the show who you know. Yeah, that's our you're, right, you're right. So if you want to stick around, you're more than welcome to. Uh, no,
1: I got to go cook the dinner. But, yeah, Susan's on my advisory board. So, yes, hey, we
0: Susan. know.
1: All right, so we're going to take Hi, a little Chris. break.
0: Chris, and and uh, one thing I just tell everybody, uh, for those who are listening, go to www.MavensNotebook.com. It's the best place to get California water news. You can be a subscriber. You can be a sponsor. It's a great thing. comes out on your computer every single morning, as it does on Chris's and mine. And we do appreciate it. So, Chris, thank you very much for joining us. And we'll see you next week.
1: Okay. Good evening. Bye, Chris. Have right.
0: a good week. You too. We'll take a little break here for our sponsors. And we'll be right back with our featured guests. This is 1050 AM, KCAA, Loma Linda, and 106.5 FM, UKIPA.
3: They love you. They love you not. They love you. Satisfying your customers, it's a full-time job. Want an easy way to make them happy? Try having your ornamentals delivered straight to the job site with Nursery Direct. Could save you and your clients a pretty peony. Think about it, instead of driving to the nearest nursery, picking up the order, and then driving to the job site, the crew's able to begin work right away. That cuts time and labor. Savings you can pass on to your customers and you can get your plants delivered direct even if you don't have a nursery branch in your area. Here's another quick tip keep a substitutions list on standby for every project so your team knows what to do in case a plant isn't in stock because there's nothing customers appreciate more than a project that finishes
1: on time and on budget. They love you, they
3: really love you.
1: Aww. Are you
4: presently part of the irrigation industry as a worker or business owner? Do you want to learn how you and your staff can boost your knowledge and productivity? Then you should check out Irrigator Technical Training School. Irrigator Tech is the leading source of quality instruction serving all facets of the irrigation industry. Their courses provide a basic, easy-to-understand approach that raises the skill level, competency, and professionalism of landscape and irrigation personnel through practical education and services. Irrigator Tech combines classroom and real-life hands-on training, leading to a well-recognized certification that both customers and employers demand. Irrigator Tech's specialized courses can help you quickly become a certified irrigation auditor or a certified installer, repair, maintenance, or backflow technician Courses Also include certificates in smart water application or becoming a certified tree worker. Most importantly all certifications are state recognized and irrigator tech offers annual renewal classes to help keep your certification up to date. So whether you work in California, Washington, Oregon, Nevada, or Arizona, there's an irrigator tech class near you. For more information on how to jumpstart your career, call irrigator tech toll free 866-614-1755 or visit them on the web at irrigatortech.com. That's toll-free, 866-614-1755, and on the web at irrigatortech.com.
1: K.C.A.A.
0: We do have Mr. Davey here to take his place. <laughs> I'm trying to trying to mess him up a little bit, but uh, uh, he, he, he cracks me up. He's a, he's a funny man, and he's a great host of the show, and I do appreciate all the years he's been doing it. Thank you, Chris. I do appreciate that. Uh, anyway, we like...
2: Yeah. You
0: can try all uh, you want. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, we uh, we want to bring somebody on who's been on before, and this person is an awesome person. and uh, She's also a dear friend of... Chris Chris Austin, and her name is Susan Longville, and she's a water policy analyst and has worked in the public and private sectors of California for decades, even though she doesn't look that. Uh, She looks looks 29, but she says she's worked for decades. Mm
1: -hmm. Susan
0: retired from California State University, San Bernardino, in 2012, where she served as director of the Water Resources Institute for more than a decade. She was also appointed by Jerry Brown, and she served two terms on the Santa Ana Regional Water Quality Control Board. Susan decided to return to public service in 2014, building upon the two terms she served on the San Bernardino City Council. And She was elected to the San Bernardino Valley Municipal Water District uh, in 2014. Uh, the Valley District is a wholesale water agency that provides imported water uh, from the state water project to 800,000 residents for the San Bernardino Valley to augment local water supplies. Yeah, you know, Rob, there's a little bit more background on that,
2: too, because Susan subsequently served as the board president. And now, as the senior member of the board, that group is is focused subsequently on the completion of the Climate Resiliency and Adoption Plan and also the establishment of the Headwaters Partnership with San Bernardino National Forest. So Susan joined that board of directors uh, and of the Climate Center in 2021, pretty much to advance their mission of rapidly reducing climate pollution. At uh, SCALE in California, she continues to serve on the advisory board and as well, as you said, uh, on the board of Maven's Notebook as well, uh, and on the board of directors for the Infrastructure Funding Alliance. That's a ton of stuff, and I'm sure, Susan, that keeps you busy. I'd like to welcome you to the Water Zone. How are you, Susan?
3: I'm wonderful. Thank you for inviting me again. It's been a number of years, but I try to Judy. listen. Um, I, I I love to hear Chris when she does uh, does her water news update on the uh, on KCAA.
2: Yeah, listen, Chris is such a wonderful addition uh, to the program. We love having her on every week, and it's great to have you here today as as well, Susan. So you know, we always ask this question of all of the new guests that come on, uh, or all the recent re repeating guests that come on the show, even, and that's you know, there's always a story behind. What got you into this business in the first, first place? Like many moons ago, right, when you first started, what was it that triggered the, the, uh, uh, you to get in this industry uh, many, many years ago?
3: You know, I was working in water policy at the University of Wisconsin, and we were, we were you know, doing some freshwater work on Lake Michigan and, and uh, the Milwaukee River. But, you know, California was where the big stuff was happening. The Mono Lake just, you know, trust public trust doctrine decision had just been made. This was the place to be if you were a water policy analyst. So I moved on out here 36 years ago, and I've never left. Um, wow. Luckily, academia out here likes me, and uh, and the private sector. So I've, I've, uh, you know, this is uh, like the, many of the rest of you. I, you know, I do this. This is what I, what, what motivates me.
1: And well, as nice. Robin.
2: I- yeah, as Rob said earlier, you know, I mean, all of us are 29 years old. Let's, uh, you know, let's get we
1: all out are out, we out on the table right now. <laughs> Been
2: in this industry yeah. for, for, for many, many years. As many as can be counted if you're 29 years old. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, quite a background for, for you, Susan. So kind of going backwards a little bit on the, on the bio stuff we, uh, uh, we get as a, as a board member on the Board of Directors for the Infrastructure Funding Alliance. What, what's that all about?
3: The Infrastructure Funding Alliance really tackles the problem that that California communities faced after redevelopment went away. Um, you know, we, we need to fund projects in our communities that are, multi, that are multi-benefit, include water capture, um, green infrastructure, all sorts of things. So we have been the um, kind of the force behind the enhanced infrastructure financing districts in California. So that's a, and it's all connected. Everything is connected. I I can get, I always say, I I can get 100 people in the room in San Bernardino Valley, and we can agree on all the good things that we would all like to do and could support one another in doing what we can, what we can agree on is how we're going to finance it. That's where the, where the, where the obstacles are, and we need to do that.
0: Well, you're, you're part of the wow, the wow force, which I call the women of water. And you do have a lot of... (laughs) <laughs> you do have a lot of force we, and
3: knowledge. So, that, Twenty-five that, years ago, we sort of called ourselves the water lilies. We used to say that when a male water buffalo died, a female water lily emerged out of the water. But now, <laughs> I mean, my agency, uh, you know, is led by a woman now—a woman who's not a a, a water engineer, but a scientist and an MBA. I mean, Heather Dyer is, you know, is part of this new generation of uh, water managers. And, you know, I think women bring, uh, you know, we, we, bring, we, we bring our own uh, unique qualities and expertise. And, and I'm, I, we are doing, I think the, the San Bernardino Valley Municipal Water District, like most wholesale agencies, we don't send bills to customers. We're kind of invisible. You don't really see us. Um, and so, it, you know, this district is really, under her leadership, I mean, we've completed a strategic plan. Um, You know, we're rolling that out. We're rolling that out through a strategic communications and an engagement plan. We're doing, as you read, a climate resiliency and adaptation plan. I'm going to work up in the headwaters because, you know, two-thirds of the water to our valley comes from the headwaters. And how the Forest Service doesn't have enough resources and the ability um, to prevent, you know, the wildfires we know are coming, the post-fire flood impacts that are coming, all the things that come with a changing climate. So uh, it's a, it, you know, it, it, it's a different agency. We're looking at doing a brand refresh, you know, to really say more of who we are and what we do because, you know, municipal water district means nothing to the public, absolutely nothing at all. Um, I think the most exciting thing I have, I can share with you that's public is that, you uh, I don't know. A lot of people don't know that when Seven Oaks Dam was constructed and and Seven Oaks Dam is the Army Corps of Engineers, you know, dam to protect all of the Santa Ana watershed, Riverside, Orange County, all the way down to Disneyland to Huntington. There are two dams on the Santa Ana River. There's a Prado Dam right on the border of of Riverside and Orange County and up in the headwaters is the Santa Ana, is, is, is the Seven Oaks Dam. And uh, more than 20 years ago, Valley District began, you know, working with the Corps to site that in the right place, and we, and we applied for water rights with Western, and we actually have water rights to uh, for direct diversion and groundwater recharge of up to 198,000 acre feet of water um, below Seven Oaks Dam, and we're still working with the Corps to realize and make that happen. But we've just acquired an incredible piece of property right next to the dam that had been slated for residential development. Probably close to 10,000 homes would have gone in on um, these 1,200 acres, and we bought it. And and we are going to uh, to build our uh, uh, infrastructure up there to actually do what we what we want to do, put this water to beneficial use when it's released, and also have have a real uh, you know a real public place to educate the public about our watershed about the headwaters and why we're protecting those and then deal with climate so it's 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 a it's a different the world it the the water management agency is evolving and i'm delighted to be a valley district and be a part of it oh, changed incredible. a lot if, if, so if yes you, but we still, you know when we when we're ready to break ground and I would encourage you to have Heather Dyer, this scientist MBA who manages our district, come and speak because she is 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 I think um, one of county's great future water leaders. Yeah, well, actually we'll get, Heather we'll get,
2: Dyer's we'll... on our list, is not she, Rob? So I mean, you know, yep. you know, we're actually looking that. Yep. We did a feature, Susan, a while ago on Seven Oaks Dam, including some snippets from a couple of the local news. Uh, you know. Um, LA uh, regional or LA based uh, mm-hmm. uh, news agencies. It was it was very very interesting. Um, Rob was part of that as well.
0: Yeah. Yes, I. So you know, I know you were appointed by by Governor Brown, but suppose suppose Governor Newsom decided to appoint you the czar of water in California. What would you think the top three projects should be?
3: Well, I mean, obviously, you know you know we know that the overwhelming majority of impacts from climate change you know are going to be connected to water you know water you know to drought to floods to reliability of water supplies to water quality ecosystem devastation and i mean there's if i i mean there's so much we need to do um to, and, and also to be cognizant of the fact that in the us you know low income communities and communities of color in urban and rural areas, they experience the greatest harm. So I, it's, uh, I wish there, I was, I was going to be alive, um, not for another 30 years if I live to be for 100. I'd like to be alive for the next 100 years to see how we cope with the impacts that are baked in because of the carbon in our atmosphere. I mean, we know that there's nothing we can do before 2050 to re- to stem the increasing temperature. Nothing. I mean, many things we can do now that will change things after 2050. But this is going to be a hotter, drier, flashier weather system, um, and it's going to challenge all of our existing and future infrastructure to tweak it and make it and you know and make it work for the next century. So that's what right. I that's what I would think about. It's why I read, um, you know, Kim Stanley Robinson's you know great new novel, *Ministry*. Ministry of the Future, you know, kind of looking at what's it like in 2050? What's it like in 2060? It's good to imagine it, and he's a good scientist. Yeah. I mean, I'd also recommend Neil Stevenson's his book Termination Shock. Again, helps us to comprehend what we're heading towards, because we don't learn from reports. We learn from storytelling. That's yeah. the reality. We learn from but, storytelling. So I, I spend a lot of time telling stories. The, uh, to, 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 to my residents, to young people, um, and, uh, and you know, and, and, and I don't want them afraid. I don't want them to feel doomed. I want them to feel that they that their engagement um, is is essential, and everybody has a role.
0: Awesome. You know, I, I happen to live in a, in a city in Arizona that's the fastest growing city in the country. It's been named. And mm-hmm. to the to the west of us, uh, recently I don't know if you've seen it on public news, but I thought they presented it. Bill Gates and some investors bought up a bunch of land uh, a little west of here, same city, and they're looking to build mm-hmm. 100,000 homes here. And I and I wonder yeah. I wonder what they're going to do about the water situation because it's getting tough even here. But you know they're thinking about raising the water rates and things of like that, and then putting more restrictions in. How, how do you think that's going to stem in California? Is California going to see? I know a lot of people are leaving California, uh, but, but there's, there's lots of industries that use water, lots of lots of agriculture. What what do you think is going to happen in California uh, with agriculture in say the next fifty years?
3: With agriculture or with development? You know, at our urban interfaces, like you're talking about. I I mean. Yeah. You know, there's the, the reason why I'm so excited about us acquiring this over a thousand acre feet, a thousand acres off by Seven Oaks Dam, is that it's not the right place to put new homes. You know, there are better places to put new homes, and and obviously, you know, we need, you know, we, we need we need to, in our cities to recreate communities that can house more families. I mean, we have to have both, absolutely both. But I I think, you know, I you know obviously you know as the world's fifth largest economy filled with universities and and you know and and you know people in the public and private and the venture capital community i think california has got the best chance for, uh, for, for 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 being successful than a lot of the rest of the desert southwest <laughs> i'm worried yeah. i am worried i mean every, everybody everybody should be but we've got to be optimistic we've got to be hopeful and if we're going to affect change I mean, Valley District, one agency can't do it alone. We learned long ago, if you want to do something big, you have to go with all your partners and you have to do it together. You can't just say, look at us. We're going to, you know, look at, we're going to blaze our way through this and we're going to be successful. No, our whole watershed needs to be successful. And that's really what